Welcome to the Pet Project Podcast with Sarah, the creator of PetProjectBlog.com. Each episode is a healthy dose of news, views, and activities to help you strengthen the human-animal bond. I'm Steve, producer of the show. On today's podcast, Sarah discusses the challenge of surprise puppies showing up on her doorstep. So recently you took a trip to your parents' home in Texas, Mm -hmm. and something happened to you that seems to happen to you quite a lot. Yeah. You you had puppies come to your door. Right. I actually carry a leash in the car because I've found so many stray dogs or dogs that have gotten loose that it just made sense to, to put a leash in the car. So yeah, I flew into Texas, and apparently that morning these two puppies had shown up at my parents' place in rural Texas in the coastal bend on the Gulf Coast. So now apparently I need to pack leashes in my suitcase yeah. because they're <laughs> going to find me wherever I am. Yeah. And how did they look? Were they in good condition? No, they weren't. There's been a drought down there, and so there's no fresh water around. Um, even the rivers down there, because it's right on the coast, are brackish water, so it's not good water for animals to drink. So I think what was most dangerous was how dehydrated they were, but they were also emaciated. And uh, it's a little girl and a little boy puppy. And the little boy was the worst off. And it was, you know, you could see the vertebrae in his spine. You could see where his tail joined his spine and his little hip bones were sticking out. And it was, you know, pretty, pretty heartbreaking. And they were so thirsty. Does this happen a lot in rural areas where they get dumped or? Yeah. Uh, can you assume that they were dumped? Yeah. or Okay. I think that these were dumped. I think they'd been on their own long enough that somebody ditched them. No identifying tags. No, or, yeah. nothing. And so people dump their animals. People also let their animals roam. And in some cases, there really is no excuse for dumping your animals. You should take them to some kind of a humane society or something like that. But in researching, trying to find a place to take these two puppies, it became pretty clear that there are not rescue organizations down in that area. And so you either, I guess, kill the animals yourself or you turn them loose because there just isn't anywhere for you to take them. So I I have a little more understanding of the decisions people are having to make in areas like that where they're just completely underserved. They're not even served with mm-hmm. any kind of animal control options. So, yeah, they animals get dumped. So what happened next? Well, we obviously fed them. Of course, we only had cat food, so we fed them cat food and gave them water and were trying to decide what we were going to do. And kind of the working assumption was that we were going to get them healthy and then find some rescue group to take them and put them up for adoption because my parents have four cats and have a Yorkshire Terrier that they inherited when my grandmother died. And I just, you know, they weren't planning on having dogs, any more dogs. These two just showed up and they are going to be big dogs. What breed are they? It looks like they're a cross between like Black Lab and Catahoula Leopard Dog, which that's, these are big dogs. So they're going to grow up to be probably between, I would say, 70 and 90 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So you don't just have that blend into your household. (laughs) So 
I started trying to find rescue groups to take them and was having actually to look pretty far and wide for somebody to take them. And everybody's inundated. It really got brought home just how how hard it is out there right now for rescue groups because they're just, they're inundated, their donations are down. People are surrendering their animals, you know, like crazy, whether they want to or not, just because of the economy. And one of the rescue groups, their restriction on which dogs they would take were so rigid. I had no idea that there were any places that were this rigid. So some of the obvious things are they don't want sick dogs. A lot of places don't want any kind of a pit bull type dog because of the problems of getting them adopted. This one would not take dogs that were black because, and I've written about this before, it's really hard to get black dogs adopted. So mm. they absolutely would not take solid black dogs. People assume they're going to get hit by cars in the dark and stuff like that. No, I think what it is is that they don't look any different from the black dog next to them. Right. Okay. You know, there's nothing distinctive about them. And so you don't want this boring black dog. Also, it's harder to um, see their facial expressions and they're really difficult to photograph. So a lot of times, you know, the people who are running these shelters, they're not professional photographers and they're, you know, they're dealing with lots of animals and it's really hard even if you're a good photographer and they're taking your time, it's not easy to get a good picture of a solid black dog. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to get black dogs adopted. And this, the guy just was listing off one after the other, after the other restrictions of which dogs they would not take. Mm. So um, basically they would only take young purebred dogs. And that was it. Only one organization out of probably nine different places Hmm. gave me even a slightly positive response sounds like a good topic for another podcast as well yeah yeah it it is it's also really sad yeah so how does that change the plan with these stray dogs well i think that and the fact that we were you know having to take care of them for a little while um my parents wanted to make sure that they had their shots and you know anything any parasites or anything like that were taken care of and so i think about 3 days later we had an appointment to take them to the vet in the neighboring town and somewhere in between the making of that appointment and us sitting in the waiting room it was starting to become clear that my mother had decided that these puppies would be staying um, nothing was discussed and uh, nothing was announced, but just the way she was talking about them was like, okay, I don't think these dogs are leaving. And I was really happy. I didn't want to pressure her, but I knew that if these dogs stayed with them, that they would have an incredible life and that they would be really loved and taken care of. And, you know, it would be absolutely the best thing that could have happened to them. So at this point, are you able to get a sense of what their personality and temperament is like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ended up naming them Bart and Sadie. The bay that my parents' house is on actually had pirates, like Spanish pirates, way, way back. So I thought, you know, pirate names would be fun. So they're black puppies with some white on them. And the little boy is named Bart for Black Bart. And I was looking for a real pirate name for the little girl. I found online that there was a river pirate named Sadie the Goat. 
who got the goat part of her nickname because she was known for headbutting her victims in the gut. <laughs> and little Sadie the dog was the pushier of the two. So she definitely was kind of a little goat. Mm-hmm. Um, she was she would have no problem headbutting anybody mm-hmm. pretty much. So they're Bart and Sadie and Bart was definitely the more I guess kind of timid. She was Sadie is more bold and I have a feeling that if Bart hadn't had Sadie, he might not have made it. Hmm. I, I have a feeling that she probably helped keep them alive on whatever adventure or horror or whatever that they went on before they found their way to my parents' place. So, yeah, their personalities were already coming out, and they were just bubbly and lovey and very smart. I mean, they would look you in the eye and everything. So they... They were very likable. You would be hard-pressed to give them up. (laughs) And it seems like a good match for your parents. Yeah, it is. These are really smart dogs, and even though my parents didn't plan on getting them and weren't at all prepared to deal with them, it's turning into a really cool thing. And how long was your planned trip there? It was, like, just for a week. Okay. It was very tiring, and... Then I got food poisoning and ended up staying longer. Um, But I wasn't a whole lot of use on the whole dog front at that point. But it was it was nice to be there a little bit longer because I was concerned. My parents were not dog people. Mm -hmm. And so I was was concerned about how they were going to cope once they had decided that they were going to keep them. Because it's difficult to have puppies when you plan months ahead of time Mm -hmm. and you have everything that you need and all of that. It's a whole other thing if you live out in the country and you had no plan on having puppies. Right. So, so it sounds like day two or three, maybe the decision was made to keep the, yep. the dogs. Yeah. And now you have three or four days in your mind to get your parents prepared to have dogs right. and also uh, to do as much training as possible. Right. Tell me what, about that process. People just don't understand how hard it is to have puppies. And I remember the first night, well, actually the first night when we weren't sure that we were going to keep them, I mean, there was no plan on keeping them. They slept outside because, you know, my parents weren't going to bring them inside. And we made a place for them on my parents' porch for them to sleep. And both my mother and I separately woke up in the middle of the night and were looking out the windows for them because we were worrying about them and we had reason to because when we woke up in the morning we couldn't find them and both of us were really pretty frantic and were kicking ourselves for having left them outside Mm. just broke my heart to think about them having run off or been scared or something and have lost their safe place you know a place that would take care of them so the second night there was no way they were staying outside and we put them in the utility room And I, you know, said to my parents, said to my mom, we're going to have to get up in the night at least two or three times and Mm -hmm. take them out. Mm -hmm. And I said, should we go get a a baby monitor? And my mother said, a baby monitor. I'm like, Mm. yes, so that you can hear them. And she said, oh, I'll be able to hear them. I was like, okay. So middle of the night, I hear puppy noises. I get up to go, you know, take the dogs out. And my mother is nowhere to be found. So I go into her bedroom and I'm like, "Um, mom, 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 mom. (laughs) And she wakes up 
and you know it's the middle of the night and you're wandering out in your nightgown and you have to go get these puppies and these were wild puppies they had not been on leashes and stuff and I think at that point we probably just took them out because we weren't prepared Mm -hmm. didn't have leashes for them and my parents don't have a fenced yard we took them out and they went to the bathroom I assume but they were way off in the dark and we had trouble getting them back Hmm. you know you think they'd come right back if they yeah but they're puppies and I swear puppies have like really bad ADD and they're, you know, they're going to follow what smells interesting and go Mm. check stuff out and explore and everything. Yeah. So, you know, we're out there calling these dogs that don't even know their names yet. Mm -hmm. It was not exactly fun. So we did that a few more times that night and then got up in the morning and took them out. And I think then we went to the store, (laughs) drove to the next town and went and bought a whole bunch of stuff that we would need. Mm -hmm. We were very quickly finding out what was going to work and what wasn't. And we definitely needed to have harnesses on them whenever they went out because otherwise we'd lose them in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Getting harnesses on them was a chore. My mother's arms very quickly looked like she was self-harming, like a teenage girl, like cutting herself because puppy teeth are like needles Mm. and their little claws are even sharper too because they're really narrow. They're not broad like an adult dog's and her arms just were she had scabs and wounds and it was terrible and my nightgown got shredded and they bit my robe and tore a big gash in it so they're like little piranhas and it's really hard to get harnesses on a piranha (laughs) (laughs) in the middle of the night when that piranha really really needs to go to the bathroom right you know this is not the fun part of having a puppy yeah so um we were having a really pretty quick learning curve on you know what was working and what wasn't not that we were necessarily coming up with solutions but we at least were finding out what didn't work and when is the last time you dealt with a puppy i'd never dealt with a puppy right because you had saffron as an adult yeah she was six months old when we got her so i think you know technically she was a puppy but she she had most of her adult teeth so she didn't have those wickedly sharp little teeth and she was about the size that she is now so and she wasn't a total freak about running around and fighting and you know and one of the things i learned is that two puppies really distract each other Mm -hmm. because you get one puppy to focus on something and the other one starts biting it and you immediately lose that focus so they're they're just little goobers when it when it comes to that so we got a crate and we're crating them and step by step we're like you know figuring out what was going to work Um, what we needed to do. And I was amazed at how adaptive they were. I mean, they totally loved their crate and we made it a good thing. You know, you have to, you have to do stuff in a smart way. You know, if we had just shoved them in there and it had been in a scary place or it wasn't, it was cold or it was too hot or there was something blowing on them or it was, you know, scary in some way, then the crate wouldn't have been appealing, but we fed them their food in the crate They had bedding in their crate. Um, We put treats in their crate. Mm -hmm. So good things happened in the crate, Mm -hmm. and we had no problem getting them to go in there at night. Um, So the training has begun. Yeah, the training (laughs) has really, you know, begun from the the beginning. And getting them to um, sit before they get their 
food bowl, which we didn't start that right away because they were starving. And I'm just, you know, I couldn't stand there holding a bowl of food over a dog that was skin and bones. So we didn't start that right away. But pretty quickly, once they started plumping up again and their coats were getting shiny, which happened amazingly fast, then we started doing the training. In your post on this story, mm-hmm. it's titled Manage, Manage, Manage. Yeah. Tell me about that manage aspect of it. So I had to like dredge up everything I had learned about dog training when I first got Saffron. I hadn't thought about a lot of this in this detail in a long time. And I remembered, you know, one of the really key things was that whole idea of setting your dog up for success. And that means doing everything that you can to keep them out of trouble so that they don't get bad habits. So we did our best to puppy-proof the utility room that they were staying in. We underestimated some things. There was a straw hat six feet hanging six feet off the ground that they managed to knock something into and knock it down, and they destroyed that. They did some other damage, but for the most part, we managed their environment and took everything out of the way and put it up high or moved it out of the room completely that they were likely to chew on so that they wouldn't get the reward of the satisfaction of chewing on something. Um, It's not that they want to destroy anything. It's that they have a really strong drive to chew. That's part of what dogs do. And I I think, too, dogs that are going to be losing their baby teeth have a really strong drive to chew also. So right away, we needed to start managing, you know, what they were able to do and what they weren't able to do. So another instance of managing, you know, what was going on with them was instead of taking them out off leash in the middle of the night, we very quickly started always putting them on leash. Mm-hmm. And the you're trying to avoid them getting a reward for something that you don't want them to do. And I mean a reward in the sense that it's something that they like, not that you're giving them a treat or a toy or something like that. So, for instance, we take them out off-leash in the middle of the night to go to go potty. They go potty whenever it is that they want to, and then they go running off into the bushes and they find dead crabs and, you know, other stuff, poop, you know, rabbit poop or whatever. The reward for them is they get to go find these tasty tidbits to them and don't have to do what you're what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. So you want to avoid that kind of a reward. And a really good example for other people and just about any household is the kitchen trash can. Manage the situation so that your dog never gets in trouble in the first place with messing with the kitchen trash. That's a really alluring thing in your house because there are all sorts of funky do smells coming from there. There's food in there and bones and, you know, all the sorts of things that are just going to smell incredible to a dog all in one place. I mean, it's like, you know, heaven. And the best thing that you can do is keep them from ever getting into it in the first place, which isn't to say that if they, if they do get into it, that you can't do something and still manage the situation and keep it from getting worse. It's just that you, you can't hold a raw steak out to a dog and wave it in its face and 
expect it not to try and take a bite out of it. And that trash can, if you have it without a lid or with a lid that it's really easy for them to knock off or whatever, you're basically waving a raw steak in their face. So um, put the trash can where they can't get to it, under the kitchen sink. We got a trash can that you have to um, step on it. It's a, a metal one. You have to step on the pedal to make the lid go up. So Saffron would have a really hard time getting it open in any way. She'd have to really work hard to tip it over even. So managing their environment is a, goes a long way towards keeping them out of trouble. Don't leave your shoes lying around. Don't leave your dirty clothes lying around where they can get it. Mm. Um, you know, don't don't expect the incredible from them. It just isn't fair to, and don't get angry at them if they do take your shoes. Right. They're dogs. They're supposed to chew on stuff. And, you know, if your shoe's made out of leather, hello, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that says dog treat all over it. (laughs) So all of this was a good reminder of what it takes to have puppies too. And I've done a post before on adopting an adult dog or an adult cat. And it is a lot of work to have a puppy and it's fraught with peril with those sharp little teeth and sharp little claws. And I just would encourage people who are thinking about adopting a dog to reconsider getting a puppy and getting maybe a six month old dog where they've lost those needle baby teeth, their bladders are bigger so they don't have to go outside and go to the bathroom as often. They're a little more focused. It can be easier to train them. You tend to already know what their personality is going to be like. So if it's a mixed breed dog and they've started showing herding tendencies and you have small children, you probably don't want to get that kind of a dog because they're going to be trying to herd your children and that can not be good for either one of them. They might herd them into traffic. No, they <laughs> probably not heard them into traffic, but every time that kid goes off running to play, they're going to try and bring them back to you. And they do that with nipping or barking or body blocking. And all of those things are probably not going to end well. They're a lot of work. They're also more fragile. You know, things can go really wrong with them health wise. Uh, whereas an older dog is probably a little more sturdy mm-hmm. in terms of their health. And just sort of more wise about the world as yeah. well. I mean, Puppies I, are I imagine, idiots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the ranch in Texas, yeah. there's got to be some dangers around rattlesnakes yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And one of the big things is them eating inappropriate stuff. So one of the first things that they're needing to learn is leave it so that they don't eat something because they'll try everything mm-hmm. because they're they're learning about the world and the way they learn about the world is that they they can't pick something up and look at it and turn it around they pick everything up in their mouths and some of that's really bad for them but yeah there are other there are all sorts of risks down there so i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that you can do to uh, make your dogs safer in those sorts of environments, um, at least down in Texas. I'm sure that there are things that are dangerous for them in other parts of the country that are different, but I know this part. So one of the first things that we did was get them their rattlesnake vaccines. It won't completely protect them if they get bitten by a rattlesnake, but it gives you more time 
to get them to a vet to get anti-venom treatment. I had no idea that even existed. I know. I've never I, heard of and that. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily know. People who live where the rattlesnakes might know, but even then I don't think it's really commonly known. And I'm sure that people moving into an area or visiting, you know, there are a lot of winter Texans, you know, get those rattlesnake vaccines for your dogs. It could, you know, really make the difference. In fact, uh, one of my relative's dogs, is he's a slow learner and he's been bitten twice by rattlesnake and the rattlesnake vaccine has definitely helped. <laughs> what are some other dangers out there? Ticks. Oh, God. We're really lucky up here in the Northwest because we just don't have pest problems like they do in other parts of the country. I've never seen a tick on our dog up here. Um, We get fleas, but even that we don't get as badly as they do in other places. So uh, we go tromping around in high grass out here. And if you did that in Texas, you're going to have ticks and all sorts of nasty things on you. And there's these bugs called chiggers and ugh, I mean that you itch like crazy and I don't know if they're one that lays eggs in you but oh god it's like all sorts of nasty so I'm I'm really happy to live where there isn't stuff like that but the puppies had ticks in their ears when Mm. we got them and I'm not good parasites are the thing that really skeeves me out they're really gross Ugh, they're just And for them to have ticks in their ears was really awful, and I had to get them out. So we were getting the bugs off of them, and they were definitely, the puppies were really buggy. We used some kind of a flea-killing or bug-killing spray on them, and all these things came roiling out of their fur. It was just (laughs) horrible. So... You have to be careful what you put on your dog in those situations to try and keep ticks from getting on them in the first place. And it's, it's really dangerous. I mean, ticks carry a lot of diseases. They carry Lyme disease. There's some other ones and I'll, I'll actually have a link to, um, a post that I've done on ticks before. There's a surprising number of diseases that they can transmit and, um, they're diseases that can actually be really harmful for your dog to, uh, chronic diseases from that and also um i guess it's mosquitoes that give heartworm so those they're nasty things you want to keep them off your pets if you can but it needs to be something safe because if you're in that environment day after day putting like something dangerous or toxic or whatever on your dog is just not a possibility so i started looking online for recipes for tick repellent using essential oils and found some and it I made some for my parents and it seems to be working so I will uh, be doing a post with a recipe for suggestions on tick repellent and then also for um, mosquito repellent that's safe to use on your dog you know what about any other critters that might be out there there's some uh, bigger predators coyotes there's some bobcats I don't really think that those are a huge risk to the dogs. I mean, when they're puppies, if they're out in the night by themselves, maybe. But I actually think what's most dangerous is them encountering raccoons. And I recently came across a video of two raccoons attacking and chasing off a coyote. And I've had, like, firsthand encounters with raccoons. And 
I know that they are incredibly dangerous animals. They can be so aggressive. I had one that Saffron had chased up onto a fence, and I went out to make sure that it left our yard, and it actually turned back around and started to come down the fence at me um, until I whacked it with a bamboo pole. And then it, you know, hissed and growled at me. It took me poking it to make it actually leave. So I knew that they were dangerous. I didn't really have a good grasp of how fast they can be. And in this video, they're fast and they are going after this coyote. There's a, um, like a dead deer or something. And so they're fighting for that, but they are not screwing around. And then there's this other video that I don't know if I'll link to, I might, but I'm, there's a warning that it's pretty horrible to watch. And what it is, is that this man, I think, was out walking with his dog and the dog saw a raccoon and started to go after the raccoon. And then the raccoon went after the dog mm. and the shrieks from this, you know, full grown dog. It looks like a pretty big lab and it's just one raccoon mm. are it's horrible. I mean, it's really hurting that dog and it is not letting go. I mean, it is. It's trying to kill that dog. Right. It's not trying to get away. So is there anything you can do to protect the puppies against raccoons? You can eradicate the raccoons. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Which is, is yeah. you know, and one of the things for doing that is making sure that you don't leave out food for them. Yeah. In my parents' situation, they're probably going to have to do more and trap them and get rid of them. But just you know, be cautious. They don't necessarily have to be living in your yard to be present in your yard. We had them going through our yard on the way to other people's yards mm -hmm. up here. Um, we never had them living in our yard and we had a number of encounters with them with saffron, um, barking at them and, uh, a lot of aggressive stuff from the raccoons. And then our neighbors had their two dogs attacked by two raccoons and it, again, it was another situation where this raccoon was not trying to scare off the dog. It bit that dog all along its spine. And it was a pit bull, uh, an adult pit bull male hmm. that this raccoon was, I mean, I think trying to kill. So I don't like raccoons. And um, <laughs> I you just don't underestimate what they can do. They're really dangerous. Yeah. So your parents who were previously cat people. Yeah. And now they've decided to have these dogs. You've started the training process. You've started to manage their environment. Has it changed your parents in any way? Yes, I think so. Um, they're really getting to appreciate the land down there, the property, in a way that they hadn't before, partly because they're having to go out of the house a lot more often and at different times during the day than they normally would have. I mean, they're up at dawn to let the puppies out to go potty. Um, so they're seeing the sunrise, um, dogs notice stuff that people don't. And so they're having their attention drawn to animals on the farm that they normally wouldn't necessarily have seen. My parents decided that they needed to have help with training the dogs. And my mother did research and was able to find a dog trainer in a neighboring town who uses progressive dog training, doesn't do the dominance based stuff she uses like behavior modification and um, clicker training and that sort of thing and that is already opening up the world of possibilities with the dogs and 
my parents understand the, the puppies more each time they have a training session. One of the things that I, I wasn't actually surprised by, but I is a really neat thing, is that there are brush fires, but there are also controlled burns in rural areas where farmers are burning fields. It's part of how they manage the farms. And Sadie alerted to smoke. And mm. there have been a ton of wildfires, really serious wildfires in Texas this year. So it's it's no small thing that she, uh, you know, stopped on their walk, was sniffing, barked about the smoke that she was smelling. And my parents looked and saw that there were some flames and that there was smoke. And, you know, they never would have noticed that if it hadn't been for the dog. So there's just this this new awareness of your environment. And I have, have had the same thing happen with Saffron, even in an urban setting. Their senses are just so more attuned to things that we're oblivious to, smells and um, sounds especially. You know, I, I see stuff on our walks that normally I would have just walked right on by. I also see disgusting things like dead animals that I would have happily walked on by that my dog has discovered and would like to roll in and please take it home with us. And so there's, there's that, um, lots of dead stuff, but also, you know, other things that, you know, I just wouldn't have noticed. I'm sure you've talked to your parents on the phone and sort Mm -hmm. of gotten an update periodically on them. How are the dogs doing and how do your parents talk about the dogs? (laughs) I'm laughing because my parents are goo goo about these dogs and they know that they are. But they're, they absolutely love these puppies. Um, it's amazing how quickly they are part of the family. The dogs are doing great. Like I said, my parents have a dog trainer coming, and the dogs are learning really quickly. They're smart. They're also really focused on people, which makes it a lot easier to train. They also have incredible food drives, which makes it so much easier to train a dog. Um, Sadie just got fixed and they're trying to keep her still for 14 days, which I don't know how they're going to do that with the two of them, because these two dogs wrestle constantly. They are so funny. I think dogs have to be like one of the best antidepressants. They just make you laugh, especially two together because they're just goobers. You know, they, one will steal a toy. The other one steals it back. I mean, they're just delightful. My father, who didn't necessarily want to have the dogs, I think completely loves them now. And Sadie apparently adores him, especially. The dogs had their first encounter with a rattlesnake. They were in their dog run and were barking. And uh, some guys who were working there went and investigated, thankfully, and found an over four foot long rattlesnake which they very quickly killed. And I'm, I want to be clear that I don't think that you should just kill every rattlesnake that you see. They're part of the environment. People in these areas have something a lot of the time that they call a safe zone, and that's a certain perimeter around your house or your where you park your car, that sort of thing, where you, if a rattlesnake comes in that area, then you kill it just for your own, your safety, your children's safety, the safety of your animals, that sort of thing. So my parents aren't just 
killing rattlesnakes, but a four foot plus rattlesnake that was actually trying to get in the dog run, which is not a normal behavior, but because of the drought, they think that it was trying to get to the dog's water bowl. Happily, the dogs barked about it, and instead of trying to get the rattlesnake, they were backing away from it. So that was kind of a relief to have their first reaction be one of avoidance and warning rather than, oh, what's that? Let me go sniff it or bite it or whatever. Well, it's really good to hear that your parents have taken to the dogs. And it yeah. doesn't hurt that they're adorable as well. Right. One of my favorite pictures on your post, yeah. which is called Manage, Manage, Manage. Right. Uh, about Bart and Sadie yeah. is Bart and Sadie lying on the porch with their top of their heads touching yeah. each other. Yeah. Everybody should go check that out. Yeah, I, definitely. It's a really adorable picture. And the way that that picture took place was they had had a huge wrestling match and were hot and really tired. And I think Sadie lay down first and then Bart lay down and he wasn't touching her and he oozed over so that he was touching his sister, you know, and oh my God, how adorable is that? And they both slept like that for a good long time. Thanks for listening to the Pet Project Podcast. To be sure that you get each and every episode, go to iTunes and subscribe. While you're there, it only takes a few minutes to give us a rating and write a review. We'd really appreciate the feedback. And while you're at it, tell a friend to check us out. We'll be back next time with another installment of the Pet Project Podcast.